When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to the AZ Wildcats podcast brought to you by DraftKings, America's number one sportsbook app. Joined by John Schuster, Ben White. I am merely Mike Luke. All right. Uh, just got back from uh, the Tap and Bottle Watch Party. Thank you for everybody that showed up there. Um, but uh, this was a this was a very dispirited uh, performance, I think, for Arizona. We're going to talk a little bit about Oregon. John Schuster has been warning people about this for a while. But guys... Just watching it on the, just watching it on TV, this game appeared to me um, that Arizona lacks, I think, just lacks some dynamic athleticism, for lack of a better term. There, they didn't look. They to me, they just looked kind of. Again, they just they weren't very impressive, Schuster. Like, and last year's team had guys like a Ben Matherin, Dalen, some call him Dallin, Terry, um, you know, Christian Coloco. That that was missing, and that's been missing in games that Arizona's lost this year against Oregon, against Washington State, et cetera. Well, uh, and I don't want to say this is fool's gold. There's a lot of uh, seasons still to be played. Uh, but uh, I, I found it kind of fascinating that up until this point, uh, and up until this point is probably the last three weeks, when after one, once we got into the second half of the ASU game, what Arizona has been and how they've been scouted uh, has been very different. Uh, that Mather, the, the Matherin-Terry Coloco thing never really seemed to be an issue. And it's like, wow, Arizona just keeps cranking along here and everything's going real well. And, you know, now teams have have figured out some of the approaches and, and they have to have personnel as well. As you can tell from two nights ago, Arizona pretty much dominated Oregon State. So there are still teams out there that don't match particularly well. And when that happens, Arizona can be very effective and do a lot of things. But there are, for whatever reason, a fair amount of teams in this league uh, Washington and, and they don't necessarily even have good overall records. ASU exempted here. Uh, Washington State, ASU, Oregon, whose overall ASU's overall record is good. The rest of them are not, uh, and wouldn't get into the NCAA tournament as of today. But right now, uh, they have matchups that certainly exploit what you're talking about, Mike. Uh, the the lack of something that inevitably figured to be an issue for Arizona because you when you lose three players who get drafted. You know, trying to replace that is just not an automatic thing. And Arizona's going through a pocket right now that is obviously a struggle. And when you start a show saying something to the effect of uh, Larson disappeared, Creasa was uh, 
completely out of position. Ramey was woefully inconsistent, and Ballo couldn't hold up his end on the inside. Uh, you have a pretty good idea that things didn't go well for Arizona today. I think to a large degree, this is the game we feared. Uh, that we feared probably at the beginning of the year, that this is the type of thing that maybe could happen, and these were the types of games that Arizona could be exploited. And certainly today, that was the case. Now it becomes a question as we dissect what happened here as what is it that Arizona can do moving ahead to try to rectify some of this stuff. Yeah, I thought it was one of the first few losses on the year where you saw Arizona match up against Oregon and you just felt like from the get-go, you know, even going in to later in the first half into that second half that Arizona just wasn't going to find a way to recover. Um, I think we watched stretches against Oregon State and some of these other opponents where the opponent would go on a little bit of a run, but Arizona just wasn't in it matchup wise tonight. And I think that starts in the front court. I mean, Bala got absolutely dominated by Dante in the front mm -hmm. court by Oregon. And it's going to be one of those things where, you know, Arizona's going to play more athletic teams, more fast teams as we go on in conference play. And like Schuster said, with everything we've seen the last four or five weeks, it's like all those issues just kind of came to fruition today. And how, yeah. is Arizona, how is Arizona going to respond? And it wasn't, it wasn't good. Certainly. Uh, ben, you mentioned Dante, um, you know, and I think that to, to me, there's a little bit of a difference here. And we saw that against uh, uh, we saw that with uh, Oregon and um, against uh, Arizona's bigs to Bell, uh, you know, to Bellis, you know, was fine. But Dante is going to be the guy that's going to the type of guy that's going to give Arizona problems all season because you just see a difference. And again, Umar Ballo is very a very, very good player. There's no doubt about it. But there's just a difference with the way that Dante moves, with the way that his his length, the way that he is uh, he's able to cause problems. And that's going to be something that against length, you know, I hate to be, uh, you know, keep beating this uh, this dead horse, but against length, Arizona is going to have problems because they don't have explosive finishers. Last year, you had explosive finishers. You had length. This year, you don't really have that. And again, if Arizona's not dominating in the uh, front court, they're going to have problems, Schuster. And that certainly occurred. Uh, that certainly occurred uh, uh, today. Well, that, that's that's uh, that's one of the issues, and there's a lot to potentially dissect in that. And uh, let's let let's start with how Oregon is made up, and how Washington State is made up, and to a lesser degree ASU, All, and and Utah. Those guys have one center who's very good. And then complementary players that work. And what Arizona is doing in its half, and what that does is that negates, it, it half negates Arizona's advantage on the inside. Uh, and, and teams have, have effectively been able to exploit Ballo a bit better than Tabellus. What we talked about a lot throughout the season based on the way he played last year was, was Tabellus going to be physical enough to hold up against the pressure when uh, things got difficult? I think the answer to that is yes. Tabellus is the best player on this team. But the, but the secondary question that comes into that is that to some degree, it's now Ballo who has taken over the Tabellus role from last year. And where Arizona has an advantage, and it, and it still has a distinct advantage on the inside again, because it has two guys who can generally consistently score uh, on the interior. But in games like this, and the other ones as well, Vasar is not advanced enough, and Anderson certainly isn't at a point where they can make up the difference if a guy like Ballos having an off day or if somebody like Tabellos perhaps gets into foul trouble. What's happening in the half court, I think, with Arizona is that, uh, and, and this goes back to a lot of 
This is a feed the beast mentality, and now Arizona has to kind of revert to it. Uh, the, the Wildcats' approach throughout much of their success was get it, force it on the inside, get it into Cabellus, get it into Ballo, see if they can pass uh, between each other very well, take advantage of uh, their strength on the interior. Unfortunately, what I think has happened lately is that because Arizona has done that, you see a stagnant team on the perimeter. Yeah, a stagnant team that. that is a stagnant team that has largely lost its confidence because the game plan has been, and it's understandable, but maybe they've done it a little too much and they've become too predictable. Arizona is going to open the game throwing a pass on the interior to, to, to Bellis or to Ballo, and those two people are going to try to go one-on-one, and then you're going to watch Creesa, Ramey, Larson sort of stand around on the perimeter to see if uh, how effective they ultimately are and get back on half court on the other side to try to play a little bit of defense. It doesn't feel to me, and, and, and we understand the generality, that Arizona has distinct advantages on the inside, but you have to be competent on the perimeter to put yourself in a position where you can be as successful as Arizona was in the earlier portion of this campaign. And it looks to me like the desire to just hammer it on the inside consistently to try to set something up has maybe caused Arizona to regress on the outside and up and down the line. And I know that we'll be picking on Larson and we'll pick and we'll be picking on Creesa and uh, insert name of perimeter player here. The reality is that those guys are inconsistent right now and they're not helping Arizona overall. Yeah. And I yeah, think another Ben Schuster. Yeah, I, I, I want another... to do, I, I think Sean, Go go ahead, Ben. My bad. Go, go, go ahead, ahead, Mike. No, I just think okay. another thing too um, is think when you <laughs> you go. I think another thing too, going back to the to the guard point and going back a little bit deeper on the Balo thing is uh, a lot of people didn't realize. You know, I, I know we've paid attention to Oregon a little bit this season, but Dante's a guy who's played four years in the Pac-12. I mean, Balo truly is younger. He's somebody who's in his starting role for the first time this year. And when you're going up against that experience, that athleticism. It's going to be tough. And I think it goes back to the bigger point on the guard, too, where you look at a lot of these younger guys. You look at Creesa, who's come back. Is there anything particularly well that any of these guys do right now? And I think the answer is no. I mean, you've got a bunch of C minus, C plus guys at best on most days because, like Schuster said, you're feeding it inside. That's, you know, 85% of where your offense is going to come from. So, it can become stagnant for the guards where they aren't getting that experience. They aren't getting that consistency that you would get maybe if the team was a little bit um, constructed differently. I think uh, looking across what Lloyd's saying and some of the other players after the game, um, Lloyd was asked simply like what needs to be better. And his answer was, um, according to a couple of folks on Twitter, is we need our guards playing better. Downhill, better passing, better shooting. That was the quote from Tommy Lloyd. And I think that's very important. Yeah. All right, Sean. Sean makes a great point here that I'm. I'm curious about uh, both your guys' take on this, and we and we've, we've already got well over a hundred comments. We're going to get to all of these, I, I promise. But uh, for two things, four peaks. You might say to yourself, Mike, I don't want to hear about the four peaks. I'm not going to talk about the four peaks. The U of A big men. We're talking about four peaks brew, which I consumed one today at the Tap and Bottle Watch Party. Check out Four Peaks Brewery, the official brew of PHNX Sports. You can go to their uh, Tempe lo- or excuse me, their. Uh, um, their Phoenix location, or you can get Four Peaks at our tap and bottle watch parties, which we had a lot of people show. By the way, Anthony Humbert requests John Schuster. He wants to meet John, or uh, uh, and Kobe Thiel wants to meet John Schuster. So Schuster has people that want to see him. That's it called a segue. Not that exciting, but thank you. <laughs> yes. It would be a pleasure to meet you guys as well. 
Four Peaks. Check it out. Show, show notes and a link in the description. Enjoy responsibly and the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Code word PHNX. Also, just so folks are aware out there, I'm bald in public too. Here's the deal. You can put oh, down that's not five... a green screen. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you, up here. Yeah. you can put down you can put five bucks on any game and you can or any NBA game if you're a new customer, get up to two hundred dollars in free plays. That simple, that easy. 21 and up, Arizona only. Gambling problem call one 800 next step But again, check it out. Uh DraftKings Sportsbook app, all kinds of good stuff. Check show note and the link in the description. All right. Um, Sean makes a great point here that how can this team kill at Maui, Womp Indiana, outbattle a really good Tennessee team, but can't compete in our own conference? The fact that we haven't won in Oregon since 2015 is disturbing. And we've been talking about this a lot, Schuster. Is this a team that just plays to its level of competition? Um, what do you what do you guys attribute this this massive gap, to, to be quite frank, about um, how you can yeah, it, go ahead. It's it's more difficult to uh, play teams, generally speaking, in your conference uh, because conference teams know how to scout you. There was something that Dana Altman told uh, the ESPN broadcasters today uh, that one of his keys to the game was if you can keep uh, Arizona in the 60s and limit their transition, you're going to be successful. Here's one of them. And, and in the early portion of the season, Arizona was very good, especially with a guy like Tabellus to get down the floor and get easy baskets. Uh, we talk about that a lot, how, how well Tabellus runs the floor. Tabellus is still running the floor, but teams are aware of him getting down the floor and they're making it more difficult for Arizona to score in transition where they need to, to get easy buckets. Uh, that is, that is the singular reason that Arizona is a, 88-point scoring team, and now a 68-point scoring team. The Cats are in the bottom half of the uh, of the country enforcing steals. And this is the major difference between last year's Arizona team, I, I think in generalities, obviously, and had, had an individual in uh, Matherin who could score like crazy, but uh, you have a couple differences on the defensive side. Arizona is very much, despite their lofty scoring numbers early, a half-court basketball team. And that means that when they run, they run, try to run off defensive rebounds, or tr and that's it. Last year, they could run off Coloco block shots, or they could run off steals on the perimeter. Yeah. And when you have those two scenarios, Arizona's deadly in transition. This Arizona team is deadly in transition, too, but it's much more difficult for them to get into transition. So I think something that Arizona really needs to look at here is deciding whether they want to press a little bit more and go deeper on the bench. You bring in guys like Henderson, guys who haven't even seen the floor like Ball, guys like uh, Ramey. Boswell. Uh, exactly. The more athletic people, and I think even a guy like Larson could benefit from some, some something like this. You can't do this the entire game because it wears you out. But I think Arizona needs to seriously consider doing it a lot more to try to get themselves into some sort of rhythm that allows them to get easy buckets in the open floor. Look at some of their uh, competitors in the last two games that we've talked a lot about. In the second half, when ASU came back against Arizona, how did they do it? By forcing steals in the backcourt or on the perimeter and getting easy dunks at the rim. What happened in the Oregon, today, Oregon game today? Oregon was dunking with regularity, largely because Arizona was turning the ball over uh, in the first half and it allowed them to open a lead and then get uh, confidence. So I think if you were looking for one significant tweak from Arizona, the Cats have to look seriously about going deeper on the bench and trying to be a lot more forceful as far as not just playing, not just settling for a half-court man-to-man offense, 
trying to open things up a little bit and causing a little bit more havoc to see if that jump starts the offense. And I think too, when you have a young team like Arizona, um, I think a lot of that transpires back to effort too. And if we are in a situation where Arizona is able to do those things, force steals, force turnovers, get the ball in transition and get the bigs going early, that's going to be your blueprint for success. And Schuster's exactly right. ASU was that blueprint for how to beat Arizona. Teams didn't quite understand what they were going up against early in the season. We've seen, you know, fluky games all throughout college basketball, Kentucky, who's been god-awful, beat Tennessee today. So I think the flukiness is here to stay, and it's going to continue. But as time goes on and as you get into conference play, it's going to be easier. It's going to be a lot easier. And Arizona has to find a way to get back to what their identity was, like we talked about. And then furthermore, they have to be able to put it together for 40 minutes. This team is very on-off. You know, if if there's not a strong effort from the get-go – there's obviously a deficit that we've seen that follows. And when you play a team like Oregon, that just matches up so athletically, especially in the front court. And we haven't even gotten to their guard play with uh, Will Richardson today. But when you look at the matchups, you you look at the game by game case basis, basis, excuse me, it's only going to get harder for Arizona. UCLA is a a really athletic team. Some of these other teams in the Pac-12 and some of these other teams you're going to see in Vegas are really, really athletic, despite what their win-loss record shows. So Arizona has to get back to doing what their identity is, which is being a defensive team first, forcing steals, forcing turnovers, winning that physicality battle, because the last three or four games, say what you want, Oregon State, Washington State, you know, even going back to the Utah loss, what has been the common denominator? Arizona just hasn't been the most physical team on the court. And I think what's really alarming for most people is you saw that today, especially with Balo in the front court that you haven't seen all year. And that's when we start having some problems to say, hey, what's going on here? What needs to change? You know, something that Tommy Lloyd said, and I think it's a great point you made there, Ben, amongst many great points that Ben White makes. Um, But uh, Tommy Lloyd said, you know, I need the guards need to get downhill. I don't know that they're capable of getting downhill. And that's not, you know, meant to be a, you know, a slight or anything. But these are guys that Kirk Carissa can do some really good things out there. Kirk Carissa is limited athletically. Kirk Carissa is not going to get down a hill. Pella Larson isn't going to get down a hill. Those are, you know, that's not how athletically, that's not how they're built. That's not how they're set up. So that to me is more of a physical limitation uh, aspect than anything else. So he's looking for, you know, they're looking for things that, uh, or the Tommy Lloyd's asking for things that I don't know that they're physically capable of doing. Well, Well, okay. Are you talking about going downhill in the half court? Well, you're no, he's, he's, so you're he's, talking about going downhill by forcing turnovers and trying to make things happen. He's talking about he's talking about, in my opinion, I could be totally wrong here, but I think he's talking about being able to force the issue, get past your guy, be able to, you know, uh, exert yourself against the defense that you're going against. That to me yeah. is what he means. OK. And in the half court, which Arizona, again, plays most of its games this year in the half court and certainly has played that way in the last three weeks and basketball as a whole is a half court game. So in those situations, yeah, being able to defeat your player off the dribble is a problem that Arizona has, which means one of the things that Arizona did well earlier this year is that they have guys who can pass the ball. So you have to be good, not necessarily about getting past your guy, but being able to cut well without the basketball and creating havoc that way. And that is something that Arizona seems to have forgotten. They, there, there seems to be a stagnant uh, nature on the offensive end, which can't happen. 
whether it be because this is a team that has to get some easy looks and they've become obviously a lot more difficult. Uh, now, is that how, how they're scouted? Perhaps. Is that an athletic limitation? Perhaps. Is it a lack of confidence? Sure. Might be all of those things, but uh, it's something that, uh, among other things, needs to get rectified. And it's going to be interesting to watch what it is the coaching staff does to try to uh, create a little bit of a spark here. Because what you're talking about, I think, to some degree with the guards is if you have the way it's supposed to work is that you pound the ball on the inside. Teams decide they're going to double to Bella, so they're going to double Bellow. What Tabellus or Balor is supposed to do is either kick it out to the other, uh, find the other big guy open, or find a guy who's then open as a result. You move the ball around a little bit. Maybe you got somebody cut into the basket. You get an easy, easy look. You put half-court pressure on somebody as a result of a team's intention to double-team a better player on the interior. Clearly, that hasn't happened. And again, one of the th- reasons I think it is is that you have a lot of guys sort of standing around. And you're going to have to get some motion on that. And it's weird because this is the thing that Arizona was known for. Arizona is known as a motion team that passes the ball a lot and gets itself easy looks as a result because they're unselfish. But now it looks like their approach has been feed to Bellis and watch or feed Ballow and watch. And Arizona needs more participants, especially on the perimeter. Yet Ben Kobe Thiel, I think, makes an interesting point as well, where he said the with the backcourt, especially, um, and you know, that's kind of where I think a lot of the ire is going to be. But again, this was a team collapse right here. But it doesn't feel that there's there's no you just should there if if they're not making threes offensively, there's not a lot that they're doing out there. Um, and I think that's something that has reared its head time and again. I'll use an example here, and I'm not saying that Will Richardson is Allen Iverson, but Will Richardson in that game, the Oregon point guard, was able to control the pace. He was again not not a great athlete, but he was able to get where he wanted on the court. He was able to control the tempo. That's something that Arizona, at least so far, hasn't demonstrated this year at, as far as having somebody like that. No, and Arizona's been thrown some defensive challenges going back to the last couple of weeks now, starting with ASU, that they just haven't seen all year. And when we look back at Arizona's dominant performances this year, whether it was a really good team or even if it was a team like Tennessee, a team like IU that was good at the time, what do they do? They score 80 to 85 points a game. They force a bunch of steals. They force a bunch of turnovers. And how does that start? That starts with your guards. And that just hasn't happened because these teams right now that Arizona is seeing, they're trying to slow down the pace, make them play in the half court, try to win the matchup one-on-ones. And Arizona's doomed. Arizona can't win a game, you know, 65 to 60. They're just not capable of it. They don't have the physicality. They don't have the guard play or the skill yet. There's a lack of athleticism from some guys. And I think what's really hurting them is I think you expected somebody like Carissa to take a little bit of a bigger step, at least from the three-point line or from the three-point shot. You just haven't seen that this year. There just hasn't been that one consistent shooter on the team where we talk about a guy can, you know, take over for one thing. We've talked about who's that explosive wing, that athletic guy who's going to take over when this team needs it the most. I think that's a little bit of a stretch now to ask. We just need somebody who can step up and make shots. And right now, I don't know who that guy is. I mean, it was Ramey for for two threes to start the second half. But after that, it was a careless turnover and fouling a three-point shot and Everything everything went downhill from there. So I, I think Arizona's guards are really hurting them more so than anything right now. Janet Mike, L. Go so, ahead. 
Janet L., somebody who uh, I know very, very well, who actually gave birth to me, is from this era, was born and raised in Crete, Nebraska, where Dana Altman's from. But Dana Altman was born in or raised in Wilbur, Nebraska. So she's calling him the Wilbur Wizard. That is actually there a joke is, behind uh, Crete, Nebraska, something like you that. You know, there is a joke, but there's a time and a place, and I'm probably not going to say it right now. Right is there now. a joke behind Wilbur, Nebraska? Um, no, not really. Wilbur, Wilbur's, Wilbur's the sister city of Crete. So again, a little too much inside info right there. Um, but yeah, I mean, this, this team is, and I had, I had somebody asked me about this shoe for historical reference. And I think that, uh, this is a, this is a question for, uh, for you. Does this team remind you a little bit of those Olsen teams, the Tucson skyline in that you got good bigs, but Mm-hmm. You're kind this of is precisely limited. this and 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 the entirety of the early Tommy Lloyd tenure feels eerily like what Arizona was in the early era of Olson. Uh, you know, other than, you know, Olson obviously had to build from scratch, took him four years to do it. And then they had the big jump onto the stage, uh, which and but start there. Basically, what Lloyd did other than the final four was Arizona in 88. Came out of nowhere, played over their heads, got a number one seed, kicked the hell out of teams for the most part, and had a ridiculous season. Uh, probably better than they should have. Then, this year, they became a November basketball team that uh, advanced faster than everybody else. Sound a little bit like the late uh, the late 80s, early 90s Arizona teams under Olsen? Kind of. And then, uh, you know, talent sort of levels things off a little bit. Arizona goes into a bit of a slump, but they win enough games to still get a very favorable seed. And then you don't necessarily like what the results are in the NCAA tournament until Arizona picked things up uh, on the on the wings and in the perimeter and started to increase its talent. That's increase its athleticism in addition to talent. And that's one of the things that uh, you can argue certainly based on the last couple of weeks and maybe that's something that uh, Arizona is is seeing as well it's not necessarily that we were surprised by this we've been concerned all year about what Arizona was going to do uh, without Matherin without Terry without Coloco and Arizona did exceptionally up until about three weeks ago and now teams have been able to scout them. They've got some material. They understand how to approach them. And they know that Tabellus is the best player on the floor. And so they figure he's going to get his points, but maybe nobody else is. And, and if you again, if you can keep Arizona in the half court, you can limit their offensive effectiveness and you make them beat you from the perimeter. And right now, Arizona is a team perimeter-wise that has no confidence whatsoever. And one of the things that I think is, you know, concerning is – that you have, you know, you have a lot of guys, you know, a lot, a lot of folks on the comments saying, hand the reins to Boswell. If you hand the reins to Boswell right now, you're basically saying this year's done. And it's not that Boswell isn't going to be the future of this program and a really good backcourt player, but he's in, con- he plays like a 17 year old, which is, right. he plays like a really talented 17 year old that has a lot of learning to do. Uh, and, and, and there are, and there are moments where you see him and you say, oh, yeah, that guy's, guy's got some skills and then three consecutive uh possessions he puts himself in bad spots on the floor and pretty much negates any effectiveness arizona might have on the offensive end it's understandable but he's not advanced enough right now to be a next guy up type of performer look at ramey ben talked to me uh what what ben just mentioned i think is the is one of the most significant sequences of the game and the issue that arizona has up and down its roster right now ramey comes out 
and drills two three-pointers out of the gate, and then you have a tie game. And then they get a possession again, and Ramey takes a terrible three because he's made the last two. The first two he made in flow. In the third one, he rushed it. And then, as Ben noted, he gets called for uh, you know fouling the three-point shooter on another possession, throws a bad pass on the baseline, and all of a sudden, all the goodwill that he does – Two good possessions, three bad possessions. That's the kind of inconsistency that he's had. And then beyond it, defensively, he was absolutely dominated by Oregon's backcourt for most of this game. Creasa was completely out of his element today, and Larson has become the invisible man. You look at a guy like Henderson. When's the last time we said a word from a positive or negative standpoint about Henderson? So there are things there, there. The problem with Arizona is that I think their backcourt is you know, when things are going well, pretty good. And if they can hit relatively consistently from three-point range, their inside game is so good that pretty good can keep you into games and win a lot of them. But they're going to have to figure out, I believe, a way to force turnovers to get themselves cheap buckets so to start to feel more comfortable about what it is they want to do. And those have been largely negated by more athletic teams over the last three weeks. Athletic teams who understand what it is that Arizona does well and is being effective in stopping it. And now we're at the point of the season where Arizona has to make its own adjustments to try to improve. Okay, let's talk about first, real quick, Tap and Bottle. Great watch party show out today. We had people that wanted to see John Schuster. That means that John Schuster is going to come to one of these at some point. He'll be signing autographs, you know, pressing the flesh, hanging out with the kids, all of that stuff. But Tap and Bottle, check it out. Watch parties were fantastic. My guy Matthew Bothwell in there. Really appreciate all of you showing up. And you can get Four Peaks Brew there as well. Tap and Bottle downtown. Check it out. Scott and Rebecca do a great job. And Illegal Pete's. All right. Now, anybody that's been to call in college in Arizona knows about Illegal Pete's because it's at university and it's at the lesser school up in Tempe as well. There's an Illegal Pete's as well. It's Check it out. In Colorado, too. Is there Illegal Pete's in Colorado? Where it started, yeah. I did not know that. All right. But good food. I've seen Ben White go in there. I've been past schmooze with some uh, schmooze with some females, get some drinks, get some good food. But again, it's the other way around. The schmoozing is going the other way. The females are schmoozing. With them. That's right. a great. That is a great point. Check out the show notes, though. Again, great food, great drinks, great deals. You got it. Uh, illegal Pete's as well. Um, there's there's also another thing, too, where. Um, and I can't find the comment here, but there's also no middle ground with this team on the perimeter in that it's either, like I said, it's a three, but nobody drives like last year. I mean, every good Arizona team, even Miller teams had guys that could get to the hoop that could force, you know, that could stress a defense. Arizona doesn't have that. Crease is not a guy that gets to the hoop. He doesn't really have the floater. Larson can finish around the hoop, but his stuff's all off cuts. It's not off drives. Uh, Ramey is strictly pretty much a three-point shooter. Like you said, Shu, uh, it looked like Cedric Henderson earlier in the year had that possibility to it, but we haven't seen that. You know, Ben, this is, this is a team that when you don't have anybody that can stress a defense like that, you're going to have games like this. And I think, too, where you're an Arizona fan, what really concerns you, just how many names did you just name right there? I mean, Arizona's gone through everybody in the rotation. The guard play is wide open. They've gone deep on the bench. We've talked about that for good or bad in some of these games where maybe they had a little bit more control, getting guys like Ramey, getting guys like Henderson, Boswell, et cetera, in the game. And nobody's kind of been able to break away and step up. And I know we've got some time, but I thought, too, the difference today, 
where, you know, you talk about three-point shots and outside shots. What do you do? You keep shooting. Arizona took a lot of bad shots today. They weren't really particularly good looks. They were a lot of forced shots, and it felt like Arizona, once once they got down, you know, 8-10, and it was eventually a double-digit game, there were just a lot of rushed offensive possessions. I understand this team wants to play at a high tempo, and that's where they do best, but it's got to start on the defensive end if you're going to do that. You've got to be forcing some turnovers. You've got to be getting some clean, clear looks in the inside and outside, and they just they don't play what you know, has set them up for success all throughout, you know, the first half of the season. It's just they get slowed down in the half court. Athleticism becomes a problem. And I feel like we're having the same conversation here, you know, over the last two or three games. But this was inevitable. And it's how Arizona responds now. Is there going to be a guy who steps up? I think eventually. I think eventually on the on the guard side, you're going to have to have somebody play a little bit better. Um, Kreisa, I would hope, is that guy. But again, there's limitations with him. Bottom line is, you know, it's it's really hard to replace a lottery pick like Matherin, and it's really hard to replace three guys altogether, two of them who went to the NBA. And that's something that I think we keep forgetting about. Arizona lost two really, really good players, and the team that they have now is is really, really young and green. So that's something that we have to consider as well. Yeah, do you think that, honestly, because before the season, I, I and we talked about this a great deal, that I didn't believe that they were a national title contender. I thought they were somewhere between probably about 15 to 25, something like that. Then they come out and, you know, you get these great wins. You look fantastic in Maui. And then we start recalibrating it. But maybe the, this is also them coming back to kind of their, you know, their median right here. And that, yes, it's a team, but it's a vulnerable team. And it's probably more suited to be somewhere between – 15 to 25, something like that, as opposed to battling for a one or a two seed, you look more like a four or a five seed shoe. Uh, generally speaking, when they were ranked 17th at the beginning of the year, I thought that was a fair ranking and thought at the end of the year, they'd be better than that. Uh, whatever your interpretation of, be- I guess your interpretation is of better is, are they a one or four seed? That they'd be somewhere in that three or four range. And I th- still think there's a very good chance that's going to happen. Uh, as the season has moved along in the early stages, consider the advancement of Ballo made Arizona significantly better than we expected right out of the gate. But now Ballo has leveled off a little bit. And I and I, I think there are probably a variety of reasons that go into that. It's still possible that he isn't feeling his best, although he looked really good in the Oregon State game. But are you able, as a guy who played 14 minutes a game last year, are you able to string together consecutive 28 to 30 minute games at this stage, you know, two nights out of three? I don't know. Uh, he, he was absolutely dominated tonight. Uh, and in the games that Arizona has struggled, uh, you know, Ballo has kind of plateaued at the moment and needs to work through the plateauing a little bit. And ho- hopefully that is something that will happen. He was instrumental in Arizona being good because he gave Arizona that distinct advantage that we have often talked about. The backcourt has. regressed a lot Mm -hmm. and I think there's still an opportunity there are still things that Arizona can do on the offensive end that are fairly simple that are that that even fall under the category of Arizona tenants but they're just not for a variety of reasons particularly comfortable and consistent enough to make that happen you have guys who aren't great three-point shooters but they need to be consistent need to be able to keep you honest and right now up and down the line you have none of those guys you have uh, a guy in Creesa who, bless his heart, uh, plays. <laughs> Anytime somebody says bless wild. his heart, you're about yeah. to. <laughs> but, but hasn't been consistent. 
You know, you, you, you need to be able to string some threes together or something to open up the floor. And he's obvious, you know, he his shooting is a heck of a lot more Mike and Ben like it was last year than what we saw in the two months of the season where he made some pretty good improvements. Ramey continues to be baffling to me. And it, and it seems like there's, he's, you know, he's uh, trying to climb a mountain with an oil slick. Uh, so every time he tries to get up and make some progress, you know, he's going to take a bad step and slip back a little bit. And then he becomes frustrating and sort of a, a net, you know, level limitation. Larson has become the invisible man. And, and that's, he's, Larson needs to change his discipline. He needs to quit. Also, being what a, do you mean? He needs to be. He needs to quit being a history major. It doesn't matter what Larson just did. It's what Larson needs to do next. It looks to me like he thinks too much. When Larson makes a mistake, everything compounds itself, or he completely disappears. And that's whereas if you look at Creasa from a personality standpoint, Creasa doesn't remember or doesn't care. Generally, obviously, he doesn't want to do something wrong, but he clears his head. That was history. Whether he made the 25-footer or missed four in a row, that was history. We're still going to do – Kirk Reese is going to be Kirk Reese. Unfortunately, what you don't want is, to, is for Larson, the current Larson to be Larson because he needs to have that Creasa-like personality where it's just, that's done. I can't do anything about it. Now don't compound that by making mistake two, three, or four. And a lot of that is just being invisible. He has the potential. Mike, Ben – in the latter portion of Arizona's season last year, one of the discussions we had, and obviously it helps you have Mathurin on the roster and Terry on the roster and so forth, but one of the discussions we had was how Larson was so deceptively athletic, and somehow he got anywhere on the floor that he wanted to. This year that isn't happening. So there isn't a reason why that isn't happening. It just isn't, and I think it's, a, uh, I think it's in the noggin right now. And so there are different things that these guys kind of have to work their way through to improve. But I think there's room for that improvement to take place and Arizona to right the ship a little bit here. But, uh, you know, I, I, I was curious what was going to happen with Arizona on the road this week. Things looked good at Oregon State. And then, and, then, and then the Cats got a serious reality check against a team that continues to match up with them. Well, you know, you're going to have tough games on the schedule. And you're in a position now where you may not be able to catch up and win the conference. Uh, so, but you've got to start to string some games together and uh, obviously get significantly better. And it's a question to see. And it'll be an interesting strategy from the coach's standpoint to see what it is they can do to try to take those positive steps. All right. To all these ASU door jams that are commenting right here about Arizona State basketball. Just remember this. Every good Phoenix player comes to Tucson. It's they're not going to ASU. ASU doesn't matter. We're happy that you're on here boosting the uh, numbers, but you also need to remember at the same time that nobody cares about ASU revenue sports. doesn't matter. You can have baseball or wrestling, whatever the case may be, but nobody really cares. But again, appreciate you tuning in. All right, Ben, let me tell you about more furniture. MORfurniture.com. Now you might say, Mike, what's more furniture? Look at Ben. Uh, Ben's got a nice. Uh, Ben's got a nice house out there in uh, California. And you know what? If Ben was deciding that he wanted to get even better furniture than his A plus furniture he already has, the only place he would be able to find that is at More Furniture. MORfurniture.com. Check it out. And while you're doing that, maybe you're saying to yourself, "I'd like to get some good pizza." Mountain Mike's. Mountain Mike's Pizza. You get that. Oracle and Wetmore. Granted, it's not in California. It would take you a long time to come to Tucson to get oh, Mountain Mike's. Oh, it is, Mike's. my friend. That's where you're wrong. See, 
I thought it was you. You mentioned this before in one of our things, and I and I thought Ben oh, was going to pick up on this. I think Mountain Mike's. I think there's a Mountain bunch of Mike's, Mountain Mike's locations. There's a in bunch California. in NorCal, and there's some in SoCal. Yep. All right. Well, I do apologize then. So morfurniture.com and Mountain Mike's. Check it out. Um, again, wouldn't surprise me at all if one of these times we have Ben White on here and his entire place is revamped with more furniture and Mountain Mike's pizza in the background. Well, I hope though that if that happens, that Ben White doesn't spill the Mountain Mike's pizza on the more furniture. But if <laughs> yeah. I need, but again, then there will be more furniture, right? That's, That's the name. true. More, M-O-R. more furniture. <laughs> I drove by that. more furniture uh, a couple days ago on the west. All right. Um, so again, um, this Pretty just. Oh, by the way, I've had many people. I like the back the A sign. Thank you, Mom. My mom got me that one. No, see what I can do there, Ben or uh, Matthew. Good call right here. Um, but now you got the LA. Now you got the LA schools coming up. Um, that is going to be interesting. I will say this: it would not surprise me at all if Arizona plays really, really well against the LA schools. It's at home, obviously. Um, you got UCLA, you got USC, UCLA is a top five team in the country. They're playing really well. What are we looking for? Um, what are we looking for in that? Because again, as uh, Tommy Lloyd said, you know, it's a long season. It wouldn't surprise me at all if Arizona plays very well against both those teams. That wouldn't surprise me either, but, uh, and, and the good news is that with students back, I think that's going to be a rowdy atmosphere. So coming into McHale is always difficult. The other thing that is helpful uh, the way that those schedules are laid out uh, earlier trolling notwithstanding is that now going to Tempe is a difficult matchup as well. So that's not going to be an easy road swing uh, for UCLA or USC. And if either of those teams get out of Arizona with a sweep, then the legitimacy factor of them, I think, goes up significantly. That's But, you know, Arizona and UCLA is very often a marquee matchup. This is going to be no exception. The Wildcats will have no problem getting up for this game. And hopefully they, hopefully, obviously they can perform significantly better than they have over the course of most of the last month. Sean, Sean, uh, and uh, Sean really appreciate you. Uh, some really good points right here. I don't really see this. Um, is the team like the Oh four Oh five team. The reason to me that it's not, and keep in mind, I believe that Oh four Oh five finished second in the conference. If I'm not mistaken. So we'll have to look think- back at that at some point. I feel like they had a much better year that it was clear based on the talent in front of them that they were going to that they right. were getting significantly and, better. And and I think on top of that, there's no there's no Salim Stoudemire on this team. There's no guy that just get the get out of the way and he can get you 30 points pulling up from the cactus. There's also no Hassan Adams on this team, a guy who was just that 10 plus level athlete who when he was playing his game was one of the best players in the country. Um Shakur obviously wasn't very good, but I, I, that 0405 to me would would make pretty quick work of this team. I, I think the better comparison that you made uh, was the early or yeah. the the post 88 pre 94 Olsen teams. If you're a lover of comparison, and you know I don't know anybody in uh, this uh, in this broadcast right now who is a hate comparison. So I'll uh, you know just pretend there. But uh, if if you were a lover of comparisons, I think those would fit probably a little bit better. Yeah. All right. So guys, everybody out there really appreciate you. Rudy Bastille's coming in with all of the good stuff as always. Great comments, hundreds and hundreds of comments. Appreciate you all. Again, uh, you're the ones that make this show and can't thank you enough. John Schuster as always, uh, Ben White as well. 
you guys are the best and we will be back with you uh, next week hopefully for a, a better ho- hoping for a better outcome than the game that we got but uh for uh for Sue and Ben and everybody out there again appreciate you you have been listening to the AZ Wildcats podcast